Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. I'm Daniel Connolly here with Megan Gower. UConn is going to Minneapolis. The Huskies are on to the final four for the 14th season in a row. Instant classic against top-seeded NC State. The Huskies win in double overtime, 91-87. to Gino said it was one of the best games he's ever been a part of. I've covered this team for seven years. And I really can't think of another game that I've covered, especially a UConn win that I've covered that had all the twists and turns of this one. I think I'd probably put, I don't know if I would put the Notre Dame buzzer beater game ahead of this one, even though that one did have some twists and turns. I think this one was way more in depth than, I mean, two overtimes is something else. Then Baylor last year was pretty incredible with the 19 0 run and, the stop at the end and all of that. But again, it wasn't double OT. That's what I kind of keep coming back to yeah. and having to overcome an injury and a near buzzer beater and a near collapse at the end of regulation. We'll dive into all of it, but yeah, I think that one's probably on my list. Number one on my list of the best games I've ever covered. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a better one either. I think it is probably by far the best one. And certainly the best one that's ended well for UConn. (laughs) Yes, because the games that I kept seeing get thrown out were Mississippi State and Notre Dame as two of the main ones. The Mississippi State one, I like, yeah, that was a great upset. Yeah. From a neutral perspective, the shot was amazing. Ending the streak was unbelievable, but the game itself wasn't really that great. I mean, it was all Mississippi State for a while. Then UConn made the comeback, and then there were some crazy sequences at the end of regulation, but and the end of overtime too. But there was just there's so many different layers to this game that we're gonna have to try and peel back. Whether it's you know the Paige Peckers rising from the ashes for probably, in my opinion, her best performance in a UConn uniform, mm-hmm. her greatest performance, or Kristen Williams keeping her career alive, AZ Fudd having an unbelievable game. Aliyah Edwards having the most important 10.6 rebound game of her career. Dorky Uhas fracturing and dislocating her wrist. Again, as I mentioned earlier, the way regulation ended, the way the first overtime ended, even the way the second overtime went, there was so much in this one. It was so deep. I feel like there's a hundred stories that I could write off this one. And all of them would be some of the most fun stories I've written. It was spectacular really from start to finish yeah I don't think there's any other way to put it it was just like such a thrilling game I feel like it's just like one of those games you had you on the edge of your seat from literally all 50 minutes of it it's just an incredible basketball game so let's quickly run through with the recap of it and then we'll dive more into some of the finer details 
NC State scores on its first possession, takes the lead, and then UConn leads for the rest of the first half. And I thought the big thing that stood out to me in the first quarter was that UConn was getting really good shots on offense. They just weren't sinking them. And in the first five minutes or so, it was really struggling defensively and was getting exposed a little bit by NC State, who was finding open players with passing, with some fakes, with some screens. But then after the first media timeout, UConn really seemed to lock down defensively and they eliminated a lot of those mistakes that led to the wide open shots. Didn't mean they were perfect defensively, but the first quarter, I think UConn played pretty much as well as could have been asked of it. Yeah. I think Kristen Williams came out hot. Like she has in basically every single game in the postseason and got them going offensively. And like you said, a little bit of mistakes on the defensive end to start, but they cleaned it up quickly and, I mean, that was bound to happen. NC State has one of the best offenses in the country. You weren't going to have a perfect defensive game. I think overall, you've kind of had a pretty solid defensive game against them. They did really well on Alyssa Cunane, too, at the beginning mm-hmm. of the game. Every single time she touched the ball in the post, she was doubled. She had one and one that got her three points quickly. But for the most part, she really couldn't do anything in the early going. Olivia Nelson, Adota was really good. Aliyah Edwards was really good defensively. At least at the start of the game, they were pretty good about avoiding those fouls and getting themselves in foul trouble and onto the bench. So the fact that they didn't let Kunane just start dominating from the first, the opening tip, I think was really promising, especially when you consider that Kristen did for UConn on the other end of the court. Yeah, I think Kunane had to adjust to what UConn was throwing at her defensively. I don't think she really could get anything going in that, that first half. And then she responded well in the second half, but, and I think that also came down to UConn's bigs being a little bit in foul trouble and not being able to you know, guard her in a way of the risk of having to come off the floor. But um, in the first half, they really took her out of the offense, which I think was a, a huge part of why they were able to kind of get that lead in, in the first or the second quarter. I feel like they pretty much just carried over their play into the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Dorka Juhas comes in and is playing really well. Then she goes down and the moment she hits the floor, it's one of those things where, okay, something's wrong because I was on the opposite end of the court from it. I know you were down that end, but once UConn's players started immediately motioning to the bench for the trainer and the doctor to come out, that's when I felt like it was bad. And I saw her kind of grabbing her arm. I couldn't see super well, but then once I heard her screaming, I was like, okay, this is bad. And start seeing on Twitter that it's a really ugly injury. And people are texting me that, you know, her hand is just hanging there. And I think there were some reports that the bone was sticking out, which didn't end up being true. I don't know how people actually came to think that that is what happened, but I don't know what your view was on it, but it was not pretty. Yeah, I couldn't see the actual injury, but was also getting all those texts. But yeah, she was just down and immediately very clearly in pain. You could hear how much pain she was in. And I think the look on everyone else's face, else's face on the floor also kind of said it in the way Avita just did with her there and was like trying to tell her that it was going to be okay. I mean, typical Avita fashion as like clearly the leader on this team, but um. Yeah, you could just tell that it was a hard moment for this team and everyone was really shaken up. I think Paige was crying, Avina was crying, like there was a lot of emotion going on. Yeah, pretty much the whole bench was crying. I don't think there was anyone that was spared from that. And it felt like as it happened, it was a potential 
turning point in the game because Mm -hmm. with how emotional UConn was and this team has really good chemistry and they all really like each other. There's always been something special about Dorka this season where everyone just really, really likes her on the team. And you can tell how well-liked she is. And like, it's just so clear with the way that they talk about her and the way that they act around her. So not that it would have been easy to lose anyone to injury, but it felt like an especially tough blow that it was Dorka. And then as Gino mentioned, the reason she came to UConn was to play in the elite eight, to play in the final four. And she had a rough tournament up until this point, but then she started out really, really well against NC state and goes, gets injured really, really quickly. So it was really tough to see, but what was impressive is UConn had a little bit of a, a, a few minute stretch where they struggled, gave up four straight points and NC state got to lead down to five but then once AZ hit a jumper, got it back to seven, it seemed like UConn seemed to settle in, lock in, and kind of put it past them and started going forward. And they said post game that the message was win this for Dorka and uh, let's get this one for her because that's all you can do for her. You can't heal her wrist. Yeah. And ultimately they did that. <laughs> I don't think it was <laughs> as simple as they won because she got hurt. And that's what motivated them to the win. They got there eventually and the bounce back was pretty impressive considering how quickly it had to happen and how little damage ultimately incurred because of it. Yeah. I think when you look at like the moment before she went down and UConn was up by 10, it almost like felt like they might start running away with it. Like they were just clicking on both ends of the floor and that happened and they faltered for a little bit there, like you said, but were able to kind of get back into it quickly. It's probably honestly a testament to just how much this team has been through the season. Like, I don't know if they have, they don't have the season like they did that they respond that quickly and are able to kind of just move on and finish out the game and win it for her without everything that they've been through this season. And like, yeah, it's horrible and it's heartbreaking, but they've seen this like 500 times this season, it feels like. Right. I think that was kind of a big point after the game too, was that Paige said that this is just the next one or someone said, this is just the next thing that we have to do. And then when they hit the three pointers, all right, this is the next thing we have to survive. This isn't uncommon for the Huskies to have to go, go through the gut check, get past it and keep moving on. Something that really not that many teams in the country have had to deal with because not many teams in the country have dealt with injuries of this scale. And I think it was a little different that this was an injury that happened mid game where it feels like a lot of UConn's other injuries essentially happened between the games, whether it was AZ who got shut down, Nika who got shut down, even page was at the end of a game. So I don't really feel like that one even counts either. Olivia Nelson, and Dota right before the game, all of those sorts of things. So this was a different experience that UConn had to try and push through, but they pushed through all the same. And there's part of me, not to look too far ahead, but there's part of me that really has a hard time seeing how that they how they can beat Stanford, especially without Dorka and how much size Stanford has and how much skill Stanford has on the inside too, size and skill combined. <laughs> but at the same time, it's really starting to feel like there just might be something special about this team that you can't really tangibly that's not tangible, but from the way they recovered to that, to the way that they won this game, it felt like it almost felt like the game that 
the championship video starts on, even though it is the elite eight, <laughs> it almost feels like the one where it's like, okay, this is when looking back, this is when everyone actually believed that the national championship could be done something along those lines. It just had a very special feeling to it. And this UConn team is good, but you also got to be lucky to win a national championship. And I think they were equal parts unlucky and lucky against NC state for a number of different reasons, but they're going to need some luck to win the national championship. At the same time, it feels like it's been a long time since Brandon Stewart has graduated. It doesn't seem like UConn's gotten any luck. So maybe it's time for that to switch, but again, just, it's starting to feel like there might be something special with this team. Yeah, I agree. I kind of feel like that too. I still, when we get to Stanford, we'll get into more detail on it. Like, I think it's a really tough game for them to win without Dorka. I think that was going to be a huge part of that game, but it does feel like just like mentally. And I think there's just like a, they've been through so much this season that every other team hasn't dealt with. And I think they're accustomed to dealing with and are probably going to go out there in the next game and saying we're going to win this for Dorka too so it it does kind of feel like there's a little bit of something like that that could be what gets this team over the hump and into that national championship game put that off for a second now keep going through the game third period well the end of the second quarter it felt like NC State was starting to make a push and they were starting to cut into UConn's lead and UConn was just holding it off. They weren't totally maintaining their lead, but they also weren't letting NC State dig too far into it, which I think is important. That started to change in the third period where NC State just kept getting closer and closer, and UConn was having more and more trouble keeping them away. NC State got it to one twice, including on the last basket of the third quarter, held them off just enough, but then the fourth quarter, that's when all hell started to break loose. NC State scores on the first possession of the second half. On their first, or I'm sorry, of their NC State scores on its first possession of overtime. UConn responds. NC State holds the lead for the next couple of minutes. It's tied. NC State, UConn takes the lead. NC State takes the lead. Goes back and forth all the way down to the wire. And with a minute less left, Alyssa Kunane makes a layup to tie the game. UConn comes down. It's in a drought. It hasn't scored in two minutes and it gets, I believe it was two offensive rebounds on the same possession. Olivia Nelson, Adota gets fouled. She needs to make one shot to give UConn the lead. And she misses both of them. <laughs> and at that point, it felt like the game might be over in my opinion. Yeah. Because NC state had the ball her, and the shot clock off. Yeah, the shot clock off. There's a lot of good shooters on the team. They hadn't had played the, the best defense in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I also thought the game could be over. And I was like, these free throws, especially those two. But, I mean, they missed so many free throws in this game. They ended up 12 for 20, but I think most of the ones they made were in overtime. It was going to be the free throws that cost him it if NC State hit that final shot. Oh, no doubt. I think when Liv missed those... UConn went to one of eight from the free throw line yeah. or something unbelievable. It might've been one for seven. And then she missed one in the first overtime that made it one for eight. The wild thing about the free throws though, was for a while NC state didn't miss one yeah. and UConn was missing all of them, but you get into overtime, you get the stop. And I thought that was a really good defensive possession. Mm -hmm. And Wes Moore also made the point that 
he wishes he could have had that play back because he thought they took too long to get into it because they were too worried about giving UConn the ball back. You get into overtime, and all of a sudden, not that NC State started missing all of its free throws, but it missed a couple really key ones in both the overtimes that could have changed the game. And for the most part, UConn was making its free throws, and that's how it closed out the game. It closed out the first overtime period on the free throw line, and free throws weren't the reason they were going to lose in overtime. It did the same thing in the second overtime, whereas NC State wasn't hitting them. So it's just wild how quickly that flipped. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I've wanted to write about that, how they flipped so much, but it's just, it is crazy how impactful free throws were on this game for both teams in both ways. I think it's very rare that that happens, but that's what, that's, that's the type of game you get when you go to double OT. Yeah. And I mean, I think part of it was who was taking the, the free throws and over time because it was mostly Paige Beckers and Paige Beckers was not missing her free throws, but yeah, I mean, just incredible kind of down the stretch there, the way they turned the page on that and were able to get it done and, it felt like they might win it at the end of the first overtime, but NC State got the ball back and, and hit that huge three um, at the end of the buzzer there. But then in the second second overtime, they were able to, to finish it off and hold off that final shot. Well, you got on a couple chances to win that on the defensive end. Yep. AZ Fudd hits two free throws with 28 seconds left, and NC State, is about to airball a three-pointer. UConn's about to rebound it with a three-point lead, 20 seconds left, and Aaliyah Edwards fouls the shooter and sends her to the line for three free throws. She misses one of them, which means the game can't get tied. Paige Beckers gets fouled, goes to the line, hits both of them, and then she NC State hits that three to tie it. When that ball went in, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, man that might kill you because NC state acted like it just won the game. UConn looked shell shocked, but I thought UConn actually responded to it much better than NC state did because NC state seems to let off the gas a little bit in the second overtime. And UConn seemed determined to put the game away because Paige Beckers is the one who uh, lost her mark on that final shot. She comes out, hits a three. And I thought that three that she hit on the first possession really put a lot of pressure on NC state because for a lot of the first overtime, it was just going back and forth. But now all of a sudden page hits the three, Alyssa Cunane responds with a layup, but NC state's still down one that put UConn in a really good spot. Becker scored again. Aliyah Edwards hit two free throws. Suddenly it's a five point game. The first two possession lead of the, of overtime, either one for either team and NC state ultimately just couldn't, close that gap even though it wasn't that wide they couldn't do it UConn just kept them away long enough and Kristen Williams closes with the last five points of the game so I really felt like UConn controlled that second overtime and not that NC State was determined not to win but I really felt like UConn was not going to lose that second overtime period once Paige hit that opening shot yeah and that kind of final play from Kristen Williams was a little perplexing that like UConn had the ball. I think the shot clock was off. NC State didn't foul. And then they just kind of allowed Kristen Williams to break away entirely from the defense. And she gets a very easy look, a very easy layup to put them up by four. So now they had really no chance of being able to come back and tie that game. 
It's an interesting choice, especially from a team that missed so many free throws down the stretch, or well, not down the stretch, but in the game. You think you try to foul like Ole Edwards? Well, Ole Edwards was out of the game at that point, but foul trouble, I believe. But you think you try to foul like Olivia Nelson and Dota and force her to hit with free throws. Right. I think you kind of had to have Olivia Nelson and Dota out there for her defense. The thought of her having to go back to the free throw line right. was terrifying because of how bad she was. Aliyah Edwards, Gino actually said the other day that Aliyah Edwards might actually be their second best free throw shooter. <laughs> and she hit the two that she had in overtime. So I don't know if that would have been the best play, but yeah, they just executed where they had to. And I did think NC State kind of screwed up the clock at the end because they took a while to foul at one point and then they took a while they didn't foul Kristen Williams and let her score a lot of overtime. I felt was UConn going out and taking it, but I also think NC state started to shoot itself in the foot where it hadn't done that for most of the game previously. Yeah, exactly. I think it made some kind of questionable plays down the, the stretch there. And then the other thing that was a little puzzling, I thought was Diamond Johnson who comes off the bench for NC state, but is actually their second leader leading scorer was kind of getting hot at the end of the fourth quarter, it felt like, and then she never came back in the game in overtime, which was an interesting coaching decision. Very interesting, considering she was their best guard on the day. UConn shut down their other top guards. Why she stayed on the bench, I don't know. I can't understand that one. Although I guess Raina Perez senior... had 10 assists. Yeah, and I guess you're, you want your you know your senior leadership, like Raina Perez, Kai Crutchfield, they're both, I believe, fifth-year players but yeah I mean I know Diamond Johnson's only a sophomore but she was definitely the player that was being able to find the most good looks against UConn's offense or defense yeah and she only played 19 minutes Mm -hmm. also Jada Boyd only played 16 minutes and she had 14 points in those 16 minutes yeah, I, I can't Another understand puzzling the... decision, <laughs> like why you yeah, don't put her back in the game. I feel like with her and um, Brown turn a little bit who had 20 points, like UConn didn't really have a great matchup for them. They're kind of bigger wings. UConn just doesn't have a natural fit to guard someone like that, especially if they were trying to double Kanane in the post a little bit, which allowed them to kind of get open and get good looks. And yeah, but they kind of went away from that in the overtime periods, even though that was one of the few things that was actually working against UConn's defense. Very, very bizarre personnel decisions. It works out in UConn's favor. And as good as Kristen Williams was in this game, starting them off strong and finishing the game strong, we have to start with Paige Beckers because (laughs) since she's returned, all the talk has been, can she look like her old self? Can she look like, 80% of her old self. Can she put the team on her back when they need her to? She had four points in the first half and took some of the ugliest shots of her UConn career. She had 24 points in the second half, 15 points in overtime. And it was the same thing as the South Carolina game last year, where she hit a couple shots in a row. And my immediate thought was, here she goes. This is, this is the start. She's on fire and no one's going to be able to stop her. And that was exactly what happened. She was unconscious in overtime. She was unbelievable. And for my money, again, it's the best I think she's ever played in a UConn uniform, considering the stakes, considering the status of her coming back, being injured, even though she had 15 points against Indiana, which I don't know if you guys want to talk about Indiana, but we don't. 
<laughs> it just doesn't feel like there's a whole lot to say about that game now after NC State. For the 15 points that she scored against Indiana, she didn't shoot well from three. It wasn't a very efficient day. She looked like her old self in this game, and she was just spectacular. Four, she played 45 of the 50 minutes. I mean, you start to run out of words for Paige Becker. She was sensational. She was unbelievable. She was spectacular. I really feel like that was an all-time performance, and in a game that I think is going to be remembered for a long time, I hope the fact that if Paige is scoring 30 points every game next year, like she's capable of, I still it's not hope it's not lost on the fact that this performance is so incredible because of the fact that she's coming off the injury. If you said that Paige Beckers was going to do this at the start of the year in the elite eight, you wouldn't <laughs> bat an eye, but after everything she's been through and Gino said, there were even times he wasn't sure she was going to be back this year for her to carry the team for a little bit. It was amazing to watch. It was just really, really spectacular. Yeah, I mean, she looked like the Paige Beckers that you saw last year at the beginning of the season. And I feel like even though there was that like moment where NC State had the shot at the end of the first overtime and it tied and it kind of felt like the momentum swung a little bit. I felt like sitting there, I wasn't really worried ever that UConn was going to lose this game once Paige Beckers started going off like that because it was kind of just like Paige Beckers is not going to lose this game. And I mean, that's, that's ultimately what happened. Like you said, 15 points in overtime, she just fully took over. And uh, yeah, I mean, regardless of, well, I mean, I guess what happens in the next two games could <laughs> top it, but it feels like this is definitely just going to be one of those kind of all-time performances from her. Then, of course, Kristen Williams comes in with the quote of the season after, <laughs> yes. alluding to the famous Gina Oriama quote, we have Diana and they don't. Kristen pulled out the, we have Paige Beckers and they don't. That was, that really summed up what overtime was. And I thought Gino also had a couple great quotes saying Paige is different. She was made for these moments. And then also she had no choice referencing the way she played in overtime. It was either do that every possession or we're going to lose. The fact that she just has this sense of when she needs to hit the big shot and the fact that it goes in every single time is unbelievable. She went eight for eight in the second half at one point and missed a single shot after halftime. And the single shot that she missed was a weird kind of off balanced shot from the free throw line. So unbelievable. Again, running out of words for how great she was. Yes. They're just really art words. It was just an absolutely incredible performance. And like you said, she just has this like knack for when UConn needs a bucket, she's going to find a way to get it in overtime, but also some moments in the like third and fourth quarter, she hadn't scored a ton yet in those in the third quarter, but I think there were some moments where NC state was on a little bit of a run and UConn really needed to get something going on the offensive end to answer. And I felt like every time it was Paige Beckers. And it showed us, it, or it reminded everyone in case they forgot, that Paige Beckers when healthy is the best player in the country oh, yeah. because nobody can do that. <laughs> it's all of last year. We were talking about how, yeah, Paige's numbers are great, but you just have to watch the way she plays and the impact she has and that ability to have the sense of when she needs to hit the shot and then hitting those shots. That's what separates her. And that's what makes her a special player. It's not too much to say that she's already becoming one of the greatest players of all time because of her knack for showing up in these big moments. And what she did on Monday is really just the next step in that. It was so, so, so remarkable. 
I don't know if she can do it again because that was a lot, but they're <laughs> probably going to need her to do something similar against Stanford. And then again, in the national championship game, if they get there. I don't know. It's like weird because Dork went down and it almost that definitely hurts their chances, but also seeing Paige play like this also makes their chances feel better to win a national championship in a way, because if we had just seen what we had seen from Paige through the Indiana game, like she had moments, but there was nothing like this. And this is kind of what she was able to do in a lot of the big moments last year. And without that, I don't, I didn't know how good their chances are, but I think seeing this, if you can get that, I mean, it, it's a lot to ask to get that in a second game, but if you can get that, then Paige Beckers is the type of player that could deliver that in back-to-back games, they could win a national championship. I mean, they're in the final four, I think. Yeah, I mean, so they're already in the final four, so they obviously could win a national championship, but. Well, it's not like years past where I think there's like one team that is just kind of there. They made a nice little run. They got to the final four, but they don't really have a shot. The best example being 2016, where none of those teams had a chance. Uh, also thinking of the year after 2017. Yeah, Mississippi State beats UConn, but they got obliterated by South Carolina. Louisville, the year after, definitely had a shot. UConn definitely had a shot. All four teams last year did as well. So it's not a perfect method, but I feel like every one of these teams has the best chance, has a really good chance to win a national championship because we're in this really weird space where they've all played well enough to get to the national champ or to get to the final four. Yet at the same time, none of them have really impressed all that much in doing so. It feels like maybe with the exception of UConn, because I think UConn's performance against NC state was really special, but Dorka being out really affects the look of things but it's not like Stanford really played its two best games of the season coming into the final four. South Carolina really hasn't had the best tournament. feels like a lot of these teams are kind of playing under their ceiling, but their floor is just that much higher than everybody else. So I think this is going to be a really exciting final four. I expect it to be four really good games and I have absolutely no idea who's going to win. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Stanford, to me, looks like the team to beat right now. I think they're I probably the best of everyone that's left in the field. In a way, I feel like the winner of UConn-Stanford is going to win it all. I just, I don't know. I'm still not sold on that South Carolina got it together. They got it together against Creighton. I don't think that's just the same thing as getting it together against a team like Texas, like Stanford played, or a team like NC State. I just don't know if South Carolina's guards are playing at the level that they need to to win a national championship. I don't know if it's realistic to expect them to get to that level because they've shown really good moments throughout the season, but I feel like those were more about them playing above their level than playing up to their potential. If that makes sense, because if Caroline Ducharme comes out and has a 25 point game against Stanford, I don't Caroline Ducharme is really good. This isn't a knock on Caroline, but I, or, okay, maybe here's a better example. If Nika Mule comes out and scores 20 points against Stanford, that is a performance above what she's probably going to have in the national championship game. So even if South Carolina's guards are really good for the semifinal, are they going to be able to replicate that performance in a national championship against, let's just say UConn for argument's sake, 
because of the way that UConn shut down NC State's guards and because of the way that Kristen Williams is defending, because of the way that Nika Mule plays and everyone that they have, you know, it's not going to be easy to try and stop Aaliyah Boston when you only have Aaliyah Edwards and Livia Nelson and Dota. If you had Dorky Uhas, it would be a different story. But I think UConn would have a really heavy advantage in the guard play. So I'm I'm also not sold on South Carolina for that reason alone. I just don't think their guards I don't think their guards are good enough to win them the national championship unless Aaliyah Boston is spectacular. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to, too, because I think if you saw in that game with Creighton, like Creighton had no size to guard Olya Boston. So their game plan was basically put three people on Olya Boston and force other people to make shots, which like the way South Carolina's offense was playing, not a bad game plan. And Destiny Henderson made shots, but like and the, a couple other players stepped up, but Zaya Cook didn't hit her shots. And if you didn't hit a sh- shot when three people were guarding Aaliyah Boston and Creighton, it's not exactly like the world's best defensive team. I don't know. I don't know that I'm sold that their offense is that much better or just it looked better against Creighton. Well, and what would stop someone like UConn or even Stanford from running the same defense but having better perimeter defenders or maybe putting two and a half players on Aaliyah Edwards? So you use Liv and Aaliyah for pretty much the whole game on – Aaliyah Boston. And then you have one of your other non Kristen Williams guards kind of hanging out, ready to jump in and triple team Aaliyah Boston. And then, you know, if South Carolina starts hitting threes, then maybe you make adjustments, but that's probably a pretty good game plan for UConn or Stanford too. So I, or Louisville, honestly, right. I don't think Louisville's going to upset South Carolina, but I think they could, if they make shots. I don't know. There's something about this Louisville team right now. I don't think Louisville is going to win the national championship game, but I kind of have a feeling about their game against South Carolina. I think, I mean, who's going to stop Haley Van Lith? Yeah, that's well, I mean, who's going to stop Aaliyah Boston is a yeah. <laughs> equally uh, strong question, but I, I don't know. I think, I think Louisville's probably got a better shot than people are going to give them. Yeah but I don't know if I would pick them either. Yeah. I don't think I would pick them, but I don't think they're out of it. Like I don't think South Carolina is going to go out there and beat them by 20 points. Like I think it's going to be a good game. And I think Louisville has a shot if they, they just have to make shots from the pro runner. I think that's going to be the key. If Louisville, especially Haley Van Leaf can hit shots from three, I think they've got a chance. I do want to talk about the UConn Stanford matchup, but I think we should wrap up NC state first, just because we can kind of work ourselves into the preview and uh, go into the final four on that note. So pagebackers, amazing performance, but Kristen Williams deserves credit too, because as she's done for most of the postseason, she started the team off really well, seven of the first nine points scores, the last five and wasn't spectacular in between, but did enough in between those moments she played like a player that wasn't ready for her college career to end. I don't know if you could say the same for Liv, but as we talked about afterwards, and as you wrote today, from the opening tip off, Kristen just had that look in her eye where, you know, it's going to be a good game for her. And there's just something about the tournament that brings out something in Kristen Williams that isn't necessarily always there during the regular season, but she was really, really good. If Paige didn't go, 
like in an alternate universe, well, I mean, there's <laughs> lots of angles to this where if Dorka doesn't get hurt, then Paige doesn't have to probably go off. But or if someone just hits a couple free throws. <laughs> yeah. Kristen, you could make an argument should have won the all region most outstanding player yeah. because of how well she played against Indiana too. I don't think it's a travesty to give it to Paige because again, the best performance of her career, there shouldn't be any complaints about that. And she yeah. led UConn or was tied with Williams for the team lead against Indiana too. So I don't think there's a problem with Paige getting it, but I think you could have easily made an argument for Kristen to get it too. Yeah. I think Kristen was fantastic in both games on the offensive end somewhat, but also defensively, I think, I mean, we've seen it in her postseason last year and again this year her disability to really lock in on a defensive end has been fantastic I mean actually Williams and AZ Foot also deserves a lot of credit for the defensive effort yesterday too because her defense on Raina Perez was fantastic as well both of them kind of had NC State's guards in a lot of trouble yeah AZ Fudd, another player that we have to talk about. (laughs) For a lot of the season, Gino's mentioned how she's not just a shooter. She's a really good basketball player. But at the same time, a lot of her shots have come from three in a lot of games, which is fine. She's capable of putting up big numbers doing that. But the stat that really stood out to me about Monday night's game was that AZ took 16 shots and just five of them were from three. She was really effective at driving and pulling up. She was really effective at getting to the rim. She had a great game, even though she wasn't shooting a ton from three-point range, which if that's a development that can stick for the Stanford game and possibly beyond for the national championship, that's a really good sign for UConn because you still have that three-point threat there. But if she can have the all-around game, then teams can't cheat on her and play really high up on her on the three-point line and not be worried about her driving by because she can get by and she will do it if she's going to get played tight on the three-point line. So hopefully this is an eye-opening performances for defenses. And I mean, I saw a lot of people saying it this weekend, but her shot, she just gets it off so quickly. And she really hasn't shot that well in the NCAA tournament anyway. So if you get her going in the game against Stanford, that could be really big for UConn, especially if they have a little bit of trouble defending Stanford on the inside. Yeah, exactly. I think getting her to knock down some threes, but also just other shots and her ability to create some offense could be really big for them against Stanford. And just, I mean, what she does on the defensive end too, I think we'll get to Stanford in a second, but I think defense is going to be a, a big piece of that. So yeah, I think she just, I mean, she played a really good game, overall game too. Like she shot the ball decently, but it was just an overall a really good game in terms of where she was on the floor, knowing her role out there. You really couldn't take her off the floor. And I think to play at that level as a freshman, as, especially as a freshman that missed like half the season, is just so impressive. It's finally all coming together. It took a really long time (laughs) for her to get to this level because she was injured. I mean, she missed a huge chunk of time. And as Gino mentioned, it's not just games that she misses. She missed practice. So she's essentially a month or two into her college career. If you think about it, this is what she should be. She should be in late December, early January, based on the number of games that she's played at full health. So the fact that she's come along this quickly and is stepping up in big moments and the ice in her veins on some of those free throws, she showed no fear. Doesn't seem like, and like Paige, definitely nothing rattles her, 
I think AZ does a really good job of not letting things rattle her because I don't think she's someone that just doesn't feel any fear. I think she's someone that has to work on keeping those nerves down, but she's really good at whatever she does because when she steps up to the free throw line in clutch situations, it just feels like a guarantee that it's going to go in. Yeah, exactly. And I think a little bit of how good she's been so in this kind of last stretch of the season gets overshadowed by the fact that like what Paige was as the freshman was just so insane and something that's probably never going to be replicated, but that shouldn't take away from the fact that what AC's doing as a freshman that's played in so few games is really, really incredible and not something you typically would see from a freshman, even if it's not the Paige Becker's freshman season, which I, it's just not a realistic expectation to ever put on anyone. No, I mean, Paige Beckers was the best player in the country from the moment she stepped on the floor. Yeah. AZ Fudd, if she's even one of the top 10 best, even one of the top 25 best players in the country as a freshman, that is spectacular. But yes, Paige has thrown everyone's, I don't know if expectations are off for AZ, but like, I don't think people are like, oh, AZ needs to be better. But even just comparing her back to back with Paige can be tough. She's been such a huge part of this run too. And someone that really doesn't stand out in the box score, but had a massive game is Aaliyah Edwards, 10 points, six rebounds, but it feels like every single one of those came up in a massive spot. And she was really good in that second overtime period. They don't win this game without Aaliyah Edwards. Obviously. I mean, that, that goes without saying, they don't win this game without Olivia Nelson and Dota either, but she was so huge in overtime that she just came up with clutch plays when they needed it. And sometimes that's all you need from one or two players. Yeah. I don't think you can say enough about Edwards and Nelson and Dota too. I mean, five offensive rebounds on the glass in both of these games against NC state, but then we didn't really talk about Indiana, but going back to Indiana, like you've got entirely won that game on the rebounding. They, I think it was the, highest defensive rebounding rate in a sweet 16 or later round since 2011 you can rebounded like 92 percent of indiana's misses or something insane like that and then they got off there on the offensive boards too and were able to get a lot of second chance opportunities it was also a huge difference against nc state i think you can own the second hits points margin something like 16 to three or it was not close. So it's, it's been a huge difference maker and Oli Edwards has been a huge part of that. Yeah. I think UConn had 17 more shots than Indiana. If I'm remembering correctly, it was a huge difference in shots. And if you're giving UConn that many more opportunities, Mm -hmm. you're going to lose. It's, it would take probably like an all time shooting performance for you to somehow pull that off. And it wasn't as stark against NC state, but it was still, an 11 shot advantage. So when you think about the game was won by four points and they shot the same number of free throws, that's a really, really significant margin. Yeah. And I think their um, performance on the glass is more impressive against an NC state team. That's actually a, a solid rebounding team and has a center like, you know, and we're against Indiana. I'm not surprised that they were able to, to kind of dominate on the glass, but I think against NC State, what they did there, it's extremely impressive. Well, it's interesting looking at the rebounding stats because Olivia Nelson and Dota led the team with seven, but Aaliyah Edwards and Paige Beckers both have six. Kristen Williams and AZ Fudd both have five. 
Nika Mule had two. It wasn't like it was just the bigs dominating the glass. It was everyone contributing, everyone chipping in. And they're going to need that again against Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely going to need it again against Stanford because Stanford is not going to let Olya Edwards and Olivia Nelson get to the glass easily. Other players are going to have to make cuts and find ways to get on the glass. Yeah, definitely. So let's finally, we've waited all show to do this. Let's turn (laughs) our attention to Stanford. You could make an argument that Stanford's been the best team in the country for, I don't know, maybe a month or two now. I think you know, South Carolina gets the attention because of what they did at the beginning of the year and beating all the ranked teams and being the number one overall seed, but strictly in terms of the way that they've played recently, I think it's hard not to say that Stanford's playing the best of the teams remaining and is maybe the most well-equipped to win the national championship, which would be back-to-back for them. It's a tough matchup for UConn that's compounded by the fact that they now don't have dorky Uhas because Stanford has a ton of size and I think Cameron Brink is going to be a really tough matchup for UConn because of how versatile she is, how well she moves around the court, and how dangerous she can be inside and out. That's a big area. Haley Jones, Gino mentioned today that she essentially plays three different positions for them. She's a handful. I mean, Fran Belibi, I don't think is the best player in the world, but she does a lot of important things for the Stanford team. So it's a very well-rounded group. It's a very well-coached group. UConn's going to have its hands full. It's also an experienced group, too, because outside of those three that you mentioned, you've got Anna Wilson, who's a fifth-year senior. You've got the whole twins that are both seniors and just offer so much size at the guard position that UConn's going to have a little trouble matching up with. It's a it's a really good team. I, they like you said they've looked like the best team in the country for I think a little while now. If you, the last time they lost was at South Carolina. They lost by four points on the road at South Carolina back in December, and they haven't lost since. Like I think this is a very good team, and it's a team that's gotten much better since that South Carolina game. I think there's a few things you can you can can do to help themselves though. If you could get Cameron Break on the bench with foul trouble, she's really really foul prone. I would be trying to go inside a lot at the beginning of this one get her on the bench that could help out you kind of a lot like Kristen Williams driving in the lane I think is going to be a, to start off this game try to get her a couple of early foul, fouls and send her to the bench and then Stanford is also they still haven't found like the right answer at that point guard position since losing Keanu Williams last year and they're really turnover prone they turned the ball over 20 times against Texas trying to get out in transition because then you're one you're going to get easy looks on offense if you go out in transition and two taking away Stanford's chances to run their offense because it's going to be hard to defend I think those two things can really help this this UConn team try to if they're going to pull off what you can call an upset if they're going to pull off the upset those are kind of two areas that they're going to have to exploit the thing that I thought was really clear when they were playing Texas is they can get away without having a point guard against, I mean, they got away with it against Texas too, but Mm -hmm. I thought Texas really made it tough for them. And it was really evident that Stanford didn't have a point guard out there. It makes me feel like this could be a really big Nika mule game because when she won defensive player of the year, everyone said how she takes the other team's point guard and disrupts their offense. If she's defending someone who's not a point guard and Kristen Williams is 
defending whoever their next best player is. I could see her guarding Haley Jones. Mm-hmm. That could make life really tough for Stanford and could really kind of throw a wrench in how they want to run their offense. Because I think Nico Mule could do a really good job disrupting that because they don't have that one true player to run the offense through. Whereas UConn has Paige Beckers to do it. They have Nika Mule to do it. And to a certain degree, they even have Olivia Nelson Adota to do it through the high post, the low post, those sorts of things. So that was the biggest takeaway I had from the Texas game was that Stanford doesn't have a true point guard and that can probably be exploited. Yeah. And Texas did a good job of exploiting it. I just don't think Texas had the offensive firepower to respond enough to get the win, but UConn does. So I think that's, I mean, you look at, I mean, it was only a nine point game against Texas. I think UConn's going to score more than 50 points, even against a Stanford offense that is, or defense that is tough. I think still think they're going to score more than 50 points. So I think if they can kind of do some of the things that Texas did to exploit that, turn get them to turn the ball over. Cameron Briggs had a little bit of foul trouble in the first half in that game. So things like that. Will will help them. Texas is probably a better defensive team, but their center Ebo just—it was such a mismatch when Stanford had its yeah. go-to players in there. Olivia Nelson Adota and Aaliyah Edwards are both miles better. Even yeah. on Olivia Nelson Adota's worst day, she is miles. Uh, on her worst day this season, she is yeah. miles. <laughs> so I think that's going to be a much tougher matchup too. It, it's going to be a good game. I don't think it's going to yeah. be, you know, one team wins by double digit points by any means. I still have a hard time picking UConn for any reason, except for strictly vibes. I like UConn's vibes. <laughs> I don't love, I don't love Stanford's vibes as much. I still think I would take Stanford though. Yeah. I think this is a really tough game for UConn to win. I'm not saying they can't win it. I think they can win it, but it just think Stanford has a little bit more talent. Actually, I don't even know if that's the right word because I think UConn has a lot of talent too. It's just, it's really the size thing I think is what it comes down to is they just have so much size. And if either Olivia Nelson Dota or Ellie Edwards gets a daddy foul trouble, I think especially this game is going to be really, really difficult to win. Uh, but even with them on the floor, I think it's it's going to be – it's just a difficult matchup. And yeah. you're looking at the best team in the country. I do kind of yeah. think whoever wins this game, though, is going to win the national championship. No, I was just going to say that. I feel the same <laughs> way. I think the, the formula for UConn is the three guards, Kristen Williams, Paige Beckers, and AZ Fudd all have to play really well. Mm-hmm. I think Aaliyah Edwards and Olivia Nelson Adota both need to be good where what that means. I'm not totally sure, but they both have to be capable out there and they can't be in foul trouble. But also having said that, I think one of those two needs to have a great game. So they both need to at least be good while one of them needs to be great. I don't know which one it would be because Olivia Nelson Adota is a senior and I don't think we've really seen her have a legitimately great game in a while. But Aaliyah Edwards is playing really well right now, too. So I think that's probably going to have to be the formula. And maybe someone else has got to emerge. Maybe it's a Avina Westbrook gamer. I think Caroline Ducharme could be a sneaky mm-hmm. contributor in this with her size, yeah. giving, you know, just a little bit of extra help in that regard and the way that she's capable of scoring on offense. So 
I definitely think it's possible. I definitely am not going to be stunned if UConn wins, but if I had to pick someone, I, I think I would go Stanford simply because of that advantage in size. And if UConn had Dorka, I think I might actually pick UConn, but not mm-hmm. having Dorka and only having two bigs available because yeah, PF and Amari could play, but I think Stanford might eat them alive. Yeah. So. Agreed. I think Aliyah Edwards is going to be key in this matchup. I think if you look back to like the Villanova game and the way that she guarded Maddie Seagrest, who's a player that it's not really anything like Healy Jones, but it a little bit and that she's got the size and can kind of play at different positions on the floor and the way Aliyah Edwards just totally shut her down for much of the game. I think Aliyah Edwards getting physical with Haley Jones, especially because Haley Jones is extremely turnover prone and they have her handling the ball a lot in Sanford's offense. And Aliyah Edwards kind of has a knack to get in there and grab the steal. So I think that matchup could help them a little bit, but I still just think it's an uphill battle. Um, I don't know. It's like, there's some matchups that would work like Kristen Williams on Lexi Hall who can't got to stop her from going off. I think sometimes, I mean, she had 20 in this game without that Stanford probably doesn't win against Texas. So I think you can see pass for you kind of win it, but a lot of things have to go right for it to happen. Yeah, I agree. I think one thing would be Gino had an interesting quote today. He was asked about Haley Jones and he said that he imagines that sometime in her future, whether it's this year or next year, she's going to have a bad game. (laughs) <laughs> and he hopes that it's tomorrow, but he doesn't expect that it's going to be tomorrow. And I think if Gino can get his wish and Haley Jones doesn't have a good game and struggles with turnovers, I think that actually may be a huge, huge difference. Yeah. And I think that's a, I mean, it's a possibility because even when she's not having bad games, she's had some really rough performances in terms of turnovers, like six turnovers in the game. I think multiple times this season, she's just not necessarily like, the most equipped to be running at offense because her size just doesn't really lend itself to that position. And I think if Stanford goes to her for that, instead of going to like an Anna Wilson or something like that, like Nika Mueller and Ali Edwards or Kristen Williams can exploit that and, and get out and transition and kind of help them. You kind of get some easy points. I'm really thrilled. I'm going to be watching this game in person because I don't know if I could take hearing that Anna Wilson is Russell Wilson's oh brother God. or sister 500 times again. Yeah, seriously. I am also glad that we will be watching it in person. You don't have to listen to that. I won't even know that Russell Wilson is there unless like, specifically looking for him probably. So that will be a nice change. <laughs> Megan and I both fly out to Minneapolis tomorrow being Wednesday. So I'll be editing this podcast on the plane. We'll be getting into Minneapolis very excited to go out there for great things about the city should be a fun time. I don't know how the games are going to pan out, but I think it should be a fun time. Nonetheless, it's a crazy weekend, but it's a fun weekend. Yeah. Busy weekend, but a fun weekend, a cold weekend. I'm still a little annoyed that we got dipped on the warm final floors, but it is what it is. (laughs) I was just going to be really mad if we missed new Orleans and San Antonio, two objectively great cities. And then also missed Minneapolis, which I've heard great things about, even though the weather isn't great. And then after that, it goes Dallas, uh, Cleveland, and Tampa, or some some order of that combination. So not going to be the most exciting Final Fours after this year until you get to Phoenix in 2026. 
I'm not that worried about the cold. It, we've dealt with it. It's not yeah. like we're coming from the south. This so <laughs> they got the tunnels. Uber exists. I'm excited. Yeah, no, I'm very excited too. Excited to be back at the final four. Uh, I feel like we're going to get three really, really great basketball games too. On that note, that'll do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. Just a programming note. If UConn wins, Megan and I will record an in-person podcast, a short one. It'll probably be 15, 20 minutes. I'd imagine on Saturday during the day because it's a 930 tip, which means it's probably going to tip at 10, which means the game's going to end ideally around midnight or beyond. And then post games, probably not even going to wrap up until one, probably not going to be a post game podcast if they win, but we will do our best to record on Saturday at some point before the national championship on Sunday. And if they lose, we'll just record on a regular Tuesday or Wednesday next week. So that is the schedule. Anyways, you can follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel V. Connolly to keep up with all of our updates from Minneapolis. Read the UConn blog and subscribe to the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. We have a lot of really great stories going out there this week. We're going to have some great stories from the Final Four. You're not going to want to miss it. So if you haven't subscribed to this point, it's six bucks and you get all of our Final Four coverage. That is is that a cup of coffee? Like a nice cup of coffee? I don't drink coffee, so I have no idea. But I How imagine are you that's getting like through this coffee? week not drinking coffee? But anyway, yeah. It's because like, I've had lots of coffee. Coke. Coca-Cola. <laughs> Believe me, I'm feeling it. I am feeling it. I'm pretty sure I had caffeine, caffeine withdrawal earlier. So, yes. But a cup of coffee. Six bucks. You get great, great coverage. And you'll get a big chunk of our postseason coverage as well, or immediate aftermath coverage, depending on when you No, a month, not a week. So you're really missing out. If you're not subscribing, go do that. Megan, send us to Minneapolis. Hopefully we will talk to you on Saturday. <laughs>